pleasure to be here. It's been a fascinating conference so far, and I think diversity is one of the things that's really come through the presentations I've been to, diversity of, um, uh, uh, in, in origins and in destinations, and now I'm going to talk a little bit about diversity of, um, among Polish migrants. Um, this, I'm from the London School of Economics, and um, this is joint work with um, René Lutra, who's um, at the University of Essex, and Justina Salamonska, who's at, who um, has, well, has an affiliation to Trinity College Dublin, but she also has, a, has another job in Italy. So, um, and, um, uh, and, I, and I got the... I got the opportunity to present. So this paper is part of um, a project, uh, one of the North Face funded projects in the, in the migration program, um, which is a project on the socio-cultural integration of new immigrants, or SKIP, and you can see the SKIP logo in the corner of all the slides there. Um, the, the overall project is a four-country study uh, with Germany, Netherlands, UK, um, and, well, and Ireland. Sorry, it's, it's Dub Dublin is the focus. Um, uh, just as London is focused in the UK, and um, we, it, says it uh, specifically concentrates on new immigrants, so those who have come to um, one of those four countries um, within the last 18 months, so up, you know, from one month to 18 months ago, to really get that early, early integration stage. Um, and we've surveyed in all four countries using a harmonised in instrument to try and introduce some com comparability against the, across the migrants in these destinations. Um, and with a follow-up, a second wave of the panel after another 18 months. Um, so really to try and capture very early integration processes and catch people that they've spent enough time in the country to actually have some experience of it, but little enough that they're very close to the point of migration or immigration. Um, and we cover um, uh, so sort, of, sort of two main groups that are covered. There's the um, old migrant flow, so new immigrants, but from the old migrant flows. So those are Turks in Germany and the Netherlands and Pakistanis in the UK. Um, and there are no old migrant flows to Ireland because, of course, it was a country of emigration up until very recently and is now again. Um, and, um, and also in, in, in the Netherlands, Moroccans, as well as, as, well as the Turks. Um, and then the new migrant flows, which is Poles in all four countries. Um, and in, in the Netherlands, um, uh, because it's a relatively small country, relatively small numbers of migrants, they also cover on this new migrant group, they also include Bulgarians. So this paper is going to focus just on the Polish sample, and it's going to focus just on data from the first wave of data collection. So that's all the people involved. Um, and, and, and overall, I, I'm just giving the project names because I think it's helpful to put what follows in, in, in the sort of context of what we're trying to get under some of the key features of the data we're collecting. So the idea is to describe socio-cultural integration trajectories, firstly, to get a more complex view of immigrant identity. So to have data collection which really focuses on what's going on, on for, for immigrants in, in different domains, not just co concentrating on the structural outcomes. Um, and then to um, try and unpick the uh, complex issue of the relationship between structural and socio-cultural integration. So there's this ongoing debate about whether those who get jobs then become socio-culturally integrated or whether the more socio-culturally integrated then get jobs, um, to put it very crudely. So we think that by collecting this early data and by looking at a very short, reasonably short-term follow-up, we can, we can start to unpack some of that. Um, and then to try and disentangle some of the origin and destination effects by explaining integration trajectories from very early on. So you're not, you're not looking at a stock sample where you've got lots of people with um, a long distance from the migration point, um, but you've got them very close to that. 
As we know, and as has been talked about a lot, immigrants arrive with resources and preference, and they face group-level and country-specific opportunities and constraints, um, and they achieve differentiated levels of socio-cultural and structural integration, which, of course, interact with each other. And it's trying to understand all the, all, all, in the interaction of all these issues that the project aims to do. Um, and so in this paper, we're specifically looking at um, really at the issue of the, of the we're just concentrating on that new, the new migrants and new migration because it constitutes a relatively recent, though it seems very old hat by the stage, uh, migration flow. And Matt's talking about it. There's sort of new, 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 well, there was a time when everybody was talking about poles, but it's been said recently. Now they're, now they're seen as, as, as a bit, you know, they've been talked about enough. Um, but still, I think it is, it, compared to these older migration um, trends, it is still relatively new. Um, and to try and um, look at how we can understand some of that diversity in origin and de destination effects and uh, tackle particularly this issue of, of selection, who migrates, what do they migrate for, and why. And we're doing this by, we, we hope to develop, and as you'll see, we, we think we have developed a, a description, a very description of migrant types, um, and explore how these types associated with particular um, structural and software outcomes, and to look at that across the four countries, so to, as it were, to, to um, take account of the fact that different migrants just different, select different countries, and so that we don't need to think that this is just about Polish migration, migrants to Germany or just Polish migrants to the UK. That all that people will select into different countries, but they will share, there will be enough who share, share these types across the different countries to be able to do that. So the, so the, so the background is, is, is very much in the sort of select, selectivity and migrant motivation literature. Um, and um, it's been very well theorised uh, for, for a movement from, the, um, movement from the global south to the global north. Um, it's been very much um, in, the, in the economic literature driven by ideas of economic incentives, chain migration and these push-pull factors. And a lot of the time, the, they, they, these theories explain a lot of migration, but they leave an awful lot unexplained. They don't explain why this particular migration happened to this particular, particular place for this particular person. Um, and so I think that east-west migration in Europe provides us a way of trying to think more broadly than that, to take into account non-economic um, 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 motivations for migration, which, have, which are increasingly talked about. Um, and that we can do this using a quantitative approach to complement the very rich qualitative approaches, approaches that have explored this question. Um, so there, have been, there, has been a, there has been a rich literature uh, on types of migration, for example, Favre's work on Eurostars, um, and that develops ideas of um, what the non-economic non factors in migration and how important these might be. Um, there's, there's also mixed attention to reasons for migration and differentiated reasons for mi migration being some very nice work exploring how these actually can be intertwined so you're not necessarily a family migrant or a labour migrant that these two can go together and I think Gonzalez Ferrer's work on this is, is, is very insightful. Um, and so these sort of very simplistic ideas of, of how people migrate for a reason have been, have been uh, complicated as well as showing that they're very different types of migrant. And of course, the new migrations from 2004, the AA migration to Western Europe, um, did very much did change costs and, and, and opportunities um, and made them very similar for anywhere in Europe where the AA migrants wanted to go. I mean, there was some differentiation, obviously, but there was, it was all very similar. Um, and, um, and so people have begun to think, okay, so is migration part of a life stage, in fact? And it's, it's rather than thinking of people just moving, that one movement, it's, it's more thinking of it as more fluid, thinking of it as, as, as more, more um, circular, and also thinking of it as, as, as differentiated by where they act in their life, life stages. 
I think the previous talk, um, speak, um, speaker referred to this this work on t trying to type um, migrants according to um, their particular characteristics. So the Ede work on storks, hamsters, searchers and stayers, differentiating circular migrants from those who sort of hunker down and save for the return to those who are uh, kind of more open, flexible, not sure, quite sure where they were to go, moving on, um, and then the stayers who have commitment to staying put. And this has been, been explored in a lot of detail for polls in the UK, but only, only in the UK, and it's a, a quality of study, so how far can we extend this? Um, So, so, so that so um, we think that this, this, but we think this this type has a lot of lot to offer in terms of not only um, describing the experience, um, but also how um, helping us to understand outcomes and how we interpret those outcomes. Does, for example, a structural outcome like unemployment mean something different for searchers than for hamsters, for example? To use those, those types, um, and that is something that I think is quite helpful to try and unpick. So, uh, um, and we think the, the, the other advantage of our, our data in particular is that, um, that, that we can use these different country contexts to help to sort of try and disentangle that. But the very fact that different migrants are attracted to different country contexts will give us some variety and enable us to explore these interaction between different migrant motivations and different outcomes more richly. And then we can evaluate um, evaluate their experience using using both both sort of harder outcomes and softer ones. We can pay attention to what their actual experience is, how they evaluate it. So as I've mentioned, this data is from the Skip, Skip project, and we're using poles migrating to four countries um, who were first surveyed within 18 months of, of their of their migration to those countries. So it has slightly different sample sizes uh, depending on the uh, slightly on, on, on the on the numbers within the countries and also on the success of the field work. Um, so the and and the, and, the, and the designs were slightly different. So um, the uh, German sample and the Netherlands sample were dependent on registers, which had some major advantages for them. There were also some disadvantages. Uh, for example, the Dutch sample included a lot of people who actually were with, had been there longer than the 18 months because they hadn't registered when they should have done. Um, and so we've actually excluded those very long stairs because it doesn't make sense for our argument to, to include those. Um, and um, it means that, the, uh, that the, means that the Dutch sample could be nationally representative, whereas the German sample concentrated on a number of specific cities. Um, and the UK and um, uh, uh, Ireland samples had to use um, more um, uh, pragmatic approaches to trying to uh, reach their samples. So we tried, we tried uh, responding to the sampling, not very successfully in both countries, um, but we supplemented those by um, sort of more free-find approaches. And we concentrated just on the two major centres of Greater Dublin and uh, London for those, for those countries. And we had a lot of questions. I'm not going to be using all the questions here, but you know, there's going to be a rich data source there if, if people want to, want to use it in the future. So this advertises that. Um, so to just give a bit of context in, in relation to these four countries, um, obviously, um, I, well, I started off by saying that, 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 that the four countries might look very similar from a Polish perspective, but obviously they do have very different histories in terms of um, pre-2004 um, mi migration. Um, and these are summarised on this, this slide in terms of the, the sort of broad features of the country context. So um, between 1989 and 2004 in Germany, there was quite a lot of low-skilled um, and both semi-legal and illegal um, uh, uh, labour migration from Poland to Germany. And also, we all know, um, we all know about the, the Aussiedler, who were the ethnic Germans who were 
um, who came to Germany from, um, from Poland, and who may well not have spoken German, um, uh, and, and may have, may have culturally identified much more as Polish in many ways. Um, but their large numbers of immigration were facilitated by the proximity, geographical proximity um, helps in such situations, particularly in semi-legal, semi um, and also facilitated easy return, so there's a lot of circularity. And so long-standing links developed and patterns of chain and circular migration. Um, for the UK, there was a large Polish immigration post-World War II as part of the attempt to, to recruit labour. Um, so so um, the UK looked first to um, Poland, in fact, and then only later to the former colonies in time trying to, um, when it was, when it was uh, trying to attract labour. Um, there was also some politically different emigrations in the 1980s, the sort of um, solidarity emigres, so-called, but many of those um, did in fact return, some stayed on. Um, and then there was some um, uh, undocumented and self-employment flows in the, uh, before up to 2004 from the 1990s, um, because self you could work as self-employed um, in the UK, for example, in the, in the construction industry, and there are different rules for the self-employed, um, even if you're basically just being on a building site. Um, and um, the Netherlands, there was a much sparser, um, sparser history of uh, pre-2004 migrants, some seasonal workers, some moving into the Netherlands from Germany. Um, and Ireland, um, very small numbers, post World War II, a small amount of these solidarity emigres, um, and some were attracted for the, uh, um, uh, some, some workers from, attracted for the Irish boom before 2004, but the big change for Ireland was post-2004, it's really dramatic, um, uh, in, and particularly, particularly focused on Dublin. Um, so there's some differences, but there are some common factors post-2004. Some of the sizes of the flows, which were, were substantial. So there have been a lot going to Germany, there have been now a lot going to the UK and Ireland, and quite a substantial number going to the Netherlands. Um, and across all countries, there were very similar and large purchasing power parities. So wage rates were about the ratio of sort of two for all the countries across the period. So it's still going to be, uh, give you a wage advantage to work in these countries, um, even come recession. And of course, um, open, so you could get there and get uh, get there and get back easily. Tra travel was um, was easy and facilitated sort of a trial and experimental migration, um, as well as long-term sort of commitments. Um, we did our, we did we planned this project when um, uh, um, emigration to these. Uh, immigration into these countries was high um, and even increasing. We got funded um, at the time of the recession and there was um, a, ma a massive drop um, in immigration, um, as you can see from this chart. This is relative, the actual flows of, um, relative to the um, unemployment rates in the four countries. And you can see how it's particularly stark um, in Ireland. We dropped off very dramatically from having been a, a massive increase in response to the recession. So what we got was both we had much more, more difficulty with our fieldwork finding people, but also yeah, I think it's worth noting that the people who we do get are in some senses slightly odd to say, um, slightly unusual maybe compared to the stocks of migrants and that they came, that they were arriving at a time of recession, which isn't normally what you expect. So they were, I think this is quite interesting, where were they come from? They were coming actually from different parts of Poland, the four Four destinations. So I think it's part of trying to think about their um, thinking about the, the, the four country story in a differentiated way. Um, so you can see for um, Germany, very much dominated by the um, eastern uh, counties of Poland and coming from there. So the darker green is where the more were coming from. 
Um, whereas the UK and Ireland, well, quite a lot coming on the buses, but quite a lot of flying, and obviously um, the, the proximity of the borders makes so much difference if you're going somewhere that doesn't share a border. So we've all already got this slightly differentiated um, um, migrants in terms of the region of origin. Um, and this is, um, that was more of background, this is just to sort of one place where we started from. That a lot of people do move for work, but there are quite a lot who move for other reasons. And I think particular interest for this um, paper is the black um, bars, which uh, they simply wanted to. There's a, um, a large proportion of people who wanted to come for other reasons, um, which I'll come on to. Um, across the four countries, there, is, there are some differences. Uh, it, it's notable that um, for migrants to Ireland were particularly highly educated. Um, they um, generally worked um, before um, um, before movement. There was um, there was a proportion who were unemployed, but this was particularly high for those who moved to the UK. Um, and there was a, a certain proportion, about one in five, who were in education before migration. Different differences in terms of their family status across the countries. With married migrants, much more likely to be going to Germany and the Netherlands. Um, and um, and across across all countries, there's quite a high probability they knew someone prior to migration. Um, and then we get the differences according to their um, uh, migration reasons um, across across the countries as well. So, having looked at the, the, uh, the different characteristics of um, uh, the Polish immigrants across our, our sample, we then move to look at how these factors cluster together and whether there are different combinations of experiences, backgrounds that are implicated in particular migration flows and the resulting differential outcomes. And to, 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 to do this, we use latent class analysis, which is data reduction technique, which allows us to provide groups based on the character. Um, um, based on factors or characteristics that we define as potentially influencing those groups. Um, and the number of groups that we come up with is both theoretically formed and then confirmed by statistical analysis. Uh, typically. Um, so um, we define our groups according to uh, age, sex, family status, knowledge of the destination country, uh, language, whether migrated from, from the city, town or village, reasons for migration, previous experience of the destination country, and previous activity status, all factors that are kind of factors you might expect in a selected model, that people might be selected on these um, to migrate, whether they migrated to different places or not. Um, and then we looked at the association um, of, of these um, these factors, these groups informed by these factors with um, three outcomes, unemployment, life satisfaction or general happiness, um, and, and, the, and um, a question which asked them whether they thought that people who worked hard get on in life, which can, you can use as sort of measure of locus control or, or efficacy. And we ended up with three classes. Um, so the first class, which is about a quarter of the sample, I'd find as being more likely to be older, male, work-oriented, more traditional sort of work seekers. Um, the middle group, which is actually the biggest group, about 46%, defines being younger, more educated, looking for experience of life, is how to find them. I'm trying to think of snazzier titles. I haven't come up with anything that uh, matches a storks and hamsters yet, but I'm, I'm working on it. Or, or, or perhaps my co-authors can work on that. Um, and then the third group, much more family-oriented, um, well-connected, and in the middle of life. Um, and these... Um, uh, to um, two charts, this one and the next one, just explain um, how um, I arrived at those classifications. Um, for example, you can, the red shows where it's um, 
um, higher than what you'd expect in green shows where it's lower. So you can see for the first group that they're more likely to be older, more likely to be married, have children, less likely to be from cities, um, more likely to be migrated for work, and so on. Whereas the younger ones um, are much more likely to middle group, the second group, the younger are much more likely to work and migrated for other reasons. So they're looking for experience of life, is what it seems like. And this looks like the same sort of pattern in here as well. Um, I think there's anything particular to note in that one. Um, oh, the, this is also much less likely to have been in work prior to migration. So they're migrating from education much more um, and going out and seeing the world. Um, and when you then sort of map these against their, um, some of these outcomes, um, you find that um, the first group are more likely to, this traditional male group is more likely to end up unemployed, even though they're looking for work, they're not necessarily getting it, it's getting it, um, and they're much, and then less happy. Um, the middle group has actually similar, very similar chances of unemployment. There's high unemployment across the sample, um, but actually they're very happy. And I think this is, uh, can be understood in relation to the fact that the reasons they're moving are very different and what they're expecting to get out of life is very different. And anecdotally, this, this makes sense. And then the final bit of the chart just shows how they cluster differently in the different countries. So the UK and um, Ireland in particular has more of this um, exploratory seeking experience of life group. People are going to Ireland not necessarily because they're expecting to get work, so they go to a time of recession. They're expecting to, they're going to so they can speak English and they're going to um, find out what life holds. So this is my final slide. It's got rather dense amounts of writing, I'm afraid, but. Um, um, it just tries to sum up um, what I think uh, we can, can, can learn from this analysis. So po po Polish migration is large scale, but also it's fluid and diverse, and there's been a lot of discussion about the, the, the different flows and the to toing and fro. Um, and there was clearly a great expansion in 2004. Um, and I think by looking, I think the important aspect is by looking at those who are close to the time of migration, we can understand much more about the migration motivations. They're much less likely to be telling us something that's been reconstructed with the evidence of hindsight. And so I think it's quite informative. And we can see that those with different characteristics migrate for different reasons, tend towards different destinations, and have different experiences and outcome, and evaluate their experiences differently. And I think that's quite an important point. How they evaluate their experiences is also um, an element of those differences. So we hope that this uh, research complements existing migration literature um, that's attempted to produce types or to classify migrant types um, and to understand these different patterns of migration. Um, um, and that we, uh, that as we're informed by that, we hope that this will sort of be, be, be a development that will, um, will amplify that work and, um, and as it is extended. And I think finally, just the, the point about, return to the point about recession, um, that um, this may influence some of the features of our sample um, and um, also mean that it's not necessarily the case. It also makes it very hard to compare with any stocks because this is a particular group. So if you try and validate it against standard measures, you won't necessarily get the same pattern. So that's all I wanted to say. Thank you very much.